everybody. Welcome to episode 262 of the Running Rogue podcast. This is Chris coming to you from Austin, Texas. Excited to be back with you this week. And today I'm going to be talking about prepping for downhill races, prepping for downhill races. Obviously, downhill races are more and more common these day, these days. When you look at things like the Rebel Series and Rebel brand of races, but of course, you also have races like the Boston Marathon, which is a net downhill course and is one that requires training on downhills in order to optimize your performance there. So I thought given that we were early in the training cycle for Boston, this would be a good topic because we've got Boston, we've got other Rebel races and things like that in the late spring. So this would be a good topic to get you prepped and ready so you can think about how to tailor your training for downhill courses. I also think that this episode in general will also give you some thoughts for really how to tailor your training for any course because when you prep for a specific course, if the course has some challenges to it, if it's got some terrain that you need to think about and manage, then you want to think about what is that requirement what does that race require? What does that course require in preparation? And then make those nuanced changes in your training to make sure you're ready. This is, I think, also especially applicable in the trail running world where you want to make sure you're prepping for the terrain that you're going to face, whether that be elevation-wise or whether that just simply be the technicality of the trail you might be facing And so you're going to be able to at least think through with this episode the thought process by which you might consider some modifications in training to prep for a specific course. So we'll get to that in just a second. Before we get there, wanted to quickly give a shout out to Inside Tracker. They are my sponsor again for this episode. I'll be talking more mid-episode about my partnership with them. I just actually had a mobile blood draw from them yesterday that is going to give me my latest blood results so that I can keep tracking what I've been doing there as it relates to bouncing back from some blood issues that I had in the fall. So I'm excited about that and we'll be talking about that a little bit mid-episode, but thanks to Inside Tracker for sponsoring this episode. Okay, let's jump right in. I've got six things for you to think about when you're thinking about prepping for a downhill race And again, I think all of these things are applicable or at least translatable to any type of course. So you can take each one of these and and then make some nuanced tweaks to it in order to really address how you might face any course. But let's dive in on how do I approach downhill races in order to optimize them. And before we talk about those six things, just want to kind of set the table a little bit. I do think or downhill races, there can sometimes be a little bit of naivete or perhaps some overconfidence that can result from facing a downhill course because you think these courses are naturally fast, certainly because gravity helps, but at the same time, they can really be challenging if you're not uniquely prepared for them. And I will say that you can definitely sub-optimize your prep for a downhill course. You know, downhill courses tend to be, if they're dramatically net downhill, they tend to be faster courses, certainly. But then, of course, you have a course like Boston, which is a combination of downhill plus a bunch of rollers. And that course, in my estimation, isn't actually net faster than a flat course. It's actually a little bit more challenging 
than a flat race. So you want to make sure that you're uniquely prepared for both and not overconfident about what you can accomplish on a downhill course simply because you have gravity in your favor. And so that's why these six points I think are really important. The first one I'll give you is simply straightforward, which is that you also, even in the context of training for a downhill race, you can't forget the fundamentals, the basics. You want to make sure that your training program has all of those fundamental elements to it that are going to prepare you for any type of course. And so don't forget, don't forget the fundamentals. Don't forget the basics. When you step in and approach a downhill course, you want to make sure all those pieces are there, including the, the long runs. And as you know, I've talked about before on this show, you want to make sure you're getting a bunch of 20 plus mile long runs. If you're doing a downhill marathon, you want to make sure that your medium long run, just like I talked about in, in the last episode, is solid and building up if you're training for a marathon to ideally that eight to 12 mile range for that medium long run. You want to make sure you're doing all the other things, including balancing stress and rest, that you're periodizing your work, that you're thinking about all those fundamental elements that will make you strong for any race and you're bringing them to this downhill race. So just because gravity's in your favor or just because the course might be a little bit unique and different doesn't mean you neglect those fundamentals. So first point here is just to remind you, don't forget about the basics. All of those still matter. And I think in many ways, especially for the marathon, the long run becomes even more important on a downhill course because you want to make sure that your legs are really resilient. Neuromuscular performance is important because on the downhills, you're going to have significant amount of eccentric loading, which is really challenging for the quads especially and oftentimes people lose their power on downhills because they're not used to that. We'll talk about training specifically for that in a second but I'm a big believer that even in the context of that challenge, that eccentric loading challenge, you're still going to need that fundamental element of getting in as 20, as many 20 milers as you reasonably, reasonably can. And so I like to see people typically in a cycle get anywhere from four to six, at least 20 milers in a cycle so that they can make sure that they're resilient. You know, I talked about the church of the long run on a prior episode, and one of the benefits of the long run is building neuromuscular resilience. And so make sure you're getting a heavy dose of those long runs and ideally too, that your overall volume is perhaps a little higher than normal so that your body is prepared for the pounding. So that's point number one. Don't forget the fundamentals, even in the context of a downhill or net downhill course. Make sure you're still doing all those important things and you're not getting overconfident simply because you're going to have gravity perhaps in your favor. So that's number one. Number two is I want you to know your course. Definitely know your course and know the challenges that you're going to face with your course, which means really digging into that elevation profile. And if you can't find a good one and go out there and look, there's a great website called findmymarathon.com where you can actually see elevation profiles of each course once you find your marathon on that site. 
You can usually also all obviously find an elevation chart on the race website itself, but sometimes those aren't necessarily as refined as they need to be. You can also go out on Strava and look for people that have run that race before and find the profile there, or perhaps look on a site like Map My Run where they oftentimes have those courses replicated there. So you want to find a really good elevation chart and then make sure you're drilling in on what that looks like. And that means asking yourself, you know, how many feet am I actually dropping per mile? What are the profiles within that? Am I doing rollers? Do I have a nice gentle downhill? Are there some significant climbs in the course? You want to understand the challenges and not just the idea that it goes from point A to point B and it drops X hundred feet. You want to know, you know, not only how much it's dropping per mile, how that shifts throughout the course and where you might see some ups and downs that could be challenges. Because a course like Boston, which is just under 500 feet of net drop, is very different than a course like CIM, which actually has a pretty similar net drop. Those two course profiles are completely different, unique, and require unique preparation and have unique challenges associated with them. Also, if you look at the big downhill races like some of the Revel ones or a race like St. George in Utah in the fall, that course is very different than something like Mount Charleston, where you might have something that has a more gradual downhill that, that even if it's dropping several thousand feet of elevation gain, if it's gradual and relatively consistent, that's very different than a course like St. George, which is also dropping several thousand feet, but has a pretty significant series of climbs in the middle that are going to break up that course in a way that will make it uniquely challenging. So you want to make sure you understand what you're facing on the course you've signed up for, because that's going to affect some of the other elements that we talk about, some of the other ways that you're going to bring your strengths out on that course. Because if it's just a gradual downhill, then that's one approach, one thought process. If it's a rolling course, obviously that's going to include another thought process and your preparation should be unique to the terrain that you might be facing. So study your course, know what it looks like. As a part of that, I also want to point out that you have to be very careful with the elevation scales that you might be looking at and using. I know some of the, the course profiles will have really narrow ranges on their scales for their elevation charts, which makes the hills look bigger than they are. Some will have massive scales, which will make the hills look smaller than they are. So just make sure you understand what the scale is, translate that into what type of drop you might be facing per mile by section of the course, and also where you might be climbing and what those climbs will look like so that you can understand really what you're getting into. And then we can translate that knowledge into preparation that we'll talk about here in just a minute. So point number one, don't forget the fundamentals. Point number two, know your course. Know what you might be facing on race day. Okay, point number three, you want to be keenly aware of the form differences that are required on downhill courses because it does matter the shift. You want to make sure you're, get, you're taking full advantage of gravity that's working in your favor, 
versus breaking as many people often do on downhills. The common mistake I see people make on downhills, and sometimes this will vary depending on the exact grade, but oftentimes people will be sort of leaning back, afraid to commit to the downhill, and that backward lean will cause them to break even more with their quads, which accelerates the eccentric loading that might be happening. And just so you know what I mean when I talk about eccentric loading, that's when the muscle, eccentric loading is when the muscle is actually lengthening under that downward weight. And so when you bend your knees for a squat, for example, you are eccentrically loading your quads as you lower your body down. And then the push back up to stand up, that's concentric loading. And most of the time when we think about strength training and weightlifting, and we'll talk about this more in a second, we think about the concentric loading. We don't think about that eccentric loading, which is basically your body trying to break and slow down as you take each step. And so if you're leaning back slightly because you're afraid to commit to a downhill, then that's going to cause you to increase that eccentric loading on the quad so that you can slow your body down. You're going to be breaking with the quads, which only puts more pressure on them. And that can then over time create significant fatigue, which is going to make the latter parts of the race really, really challenging. And so you want to, as much as possible, eliminate some of that eccentric loading. And that's really difficult to do, but it is possible to do that. It's also important to note, and again, I'll talk about this more in a second, that you have to strengthen the quads, especially to endure some of that eccentric loading. So that's something you can't avoid on a downhill course or even on a rolling course, but it is something that you want to minimize as much as possible by thinking about really solid downhill form. Some people are more natural at this than others. I can tell you I am not a naturally good downhill runner, but I have friends that are, and they will effortlessly oftentimes pull away from me on a downhill section of a course or on a downhill section of a repeat. And so it's something I've had to think about and work on and really mentally get in the right headspace as I prep for the downhill nature of any course. And so what you're going to want to think about when you're when you're running downhill is what is smooth and efficient downhill form. So there's certain cues that you can think about when you do that. The first one I like to think about is leaning forward into the hill. You want to try to make your body perpendicular to the terrain that you're covering. And so if you think about it as if you're downhill skiing, for those that ski, it's important when you ski to make sure you're leaning downhill in order to have the control that you want versus if you're leaning back against the mountain, then that can be challenging and it causes you to potentially lose control, especially around turns. And so if you have that in mind for those that ski, you want to stay over your skis. You want to get on top of your feet and try to be as perpendicular to the road as as you can. So it's going to feel a little bit like you're falling forward and like you're potentially out of control, especially when you're newer to it. But you got to commit to that. And if you commit to that, then that helps eliminate some of that braking so that you can eliminate some of that eccentric loading and then really put gravity to work while you sort of lean down into the hill. 
So that's the first cue is you want to lean forward, get over your feet, get over your skis, so to speak, so that you can really let gravity do its thing and eliminate some of that eccentric loading. Another cue that I like to think about is increasing turnover, increasing turnover. One of the common mistakes that people make on downhills is that they reduce their turnover and they start to overstride, often because they're afraid to commit to the downhill. And so instead of that, and this should naturally happen as you lean down into the hill, you will pick up your turnover, you will increase your turnover, and that will naturally allow you to pick up your pace. So lean forward, increase your turnover, and then the third cue I like to think about is making sure that once you've done that, that your form and rhythm still feels feels very natural. So for example, you can actually engage your glutes on a downhill. I think it's actually easier mentally to engage your glutes on an uphill because your glutes will naturally activate when you're climbing. It's harder to think about that on the downhills, but when you're landing smoothly and appropriately, leaning slightly forward with increased turnover, then you should feel your glutes activating in addition to your quads and hamstrings. And if you're then able to dissipate the load of that downhill over those three muscle groups, instead of it all concentrating in your quads for that eccentric loading in the quads, then you have success because you're putting less pressure and emphasis on the quads, which will allow you to save those for later while you're engaging your glutes, which is one of your bigger muscles in the body. And of course, using those hamstrings as well. So you want to feel that full activation, quads, glutes, hamstrings. So the whole leg is actually helping dissipate that eccentric loading. And that last bit is hard to get right. And really all of this as it relates to downhill form, it's difficult to learn and it takes practice and it's not always going to be easy for you. So this, so the opportunity here is really to take these concepts to any time you have a chance to run downhill, whether that's in a workout or whether that's in just an easy run that you might be doing throughout the week and just think about your form on those downhills and play with different things until you can feel it become more comfortable for you. Many of you will remember that I did a 50 mile race in the Vancouver area in Squamish in 2019. That race had 10,000 feet of climbing. It also had 10,000 feet of descent. And so part of a big part of my preparation for that was just getting ready for the downhill so that my quads weren't destroyed 20 miles in because they had to last for the full 50. And I was able to fortunately do that. And a part of my aha moments in that training cycle as I worked downhills was just learning to engage my whole leg with that eccentric loading so that I was able to dissipate that load across more muscle groups so that it wasn't all concentrated on my quads because I was most worried in that race about losing my quads because once you lose them, once the power goes out there, it's very difficult to run and also becomes very uncomfortable. So be aware of down good downhill form. I'll also add that for courses that have uphills as well, of course, you want to also be aware of good uphill uphill form. And so that's the other side of the coin, but an important part of the equation as well, especially for rolling courses. And so you want to work on your uphill form as well. Some of the cues that I like to use there are, one, keep your body upright. You want to not 
hinge at the waist and lean forward into the hill. So it's kind of the opposite in many ways of the downhill. You want to stay upright so that you can use your entire legs to power you up the hill. Because when you hinge at the waist, which often people do, if you lean forward at the waist and kind of lean into the hill, then you actually short circuit your glutes ability to engage in that climbing process. So just like with the downhill where you want to stay perpendicular to the surface, the same thing is true with the uphill where you want to stay perpendicular to the surface. So stay upright. You're not necessarily going to be leaning backwards, but you're going to be staying upright, upright at the, at the waist so that you can engage the full legs. So stay upright. I always tell people also to keep their eyes to the top of the hill, to the eyes, to the horizon. So eyes up, body and chest upright. And then you want to shorten your stride which might include increasing your turnover as well so that you can get more RPMs, more time touching the ground, which means you have to use less power with each stride to climb. And as a part of that, you will feel typically when you do that, when you increase that turnover and shorten your stride, you'll feel the glutes engage because just like on the downhill, as I mentioned, you also want to make sure the glutes are engaged on the uphill so that you're not driving completely from the hamstrings and quads and they're able to use that big butt muscle to get you up that hill. The other form tip with uphills is also to use the full body. Drive those knees and arms so that you can create momentum to climb. It's not just about the legs. Those arms, if they move well, can get you up the hill as well. And so you want to practice all of those elements. Stay upright, shorten the stride, engage the glutes, drive those knees and arms in order to drive yourself to the top of that hill while trying to keep that breathing and heart rate under control. And so those are two sides of one coin, but both are important to practice, especially for those rolling courses. Work on your form. So that's number three. Okay, before we talk about four through six, wanted to quickly take a break and talk about my partner for the episode. Thanks again to Inside Tracker for sponsoring this one. Inside Tracker is a company that's been around since 2009, founded by leading scientists in aging genetics and biometrics. They are focused on helping you perform better by analyzing your blood data, your DNA, as well as data from your fitness tracker. All three of those things come together to give you science back recommendations for positive diet and lifestyle changes that will help you drive performance. I just got my blood drawn yesterday for my latest inside track report. I've done the ultimate package. They will look at 43 different biomarkers paired with actually 23andMe data that I uploaded that I already had for my DNA. Paired with that, they're going to give me recommendations for changes to make as I work through some of the blood issues that I had in the fall that I talked about a couple of episodes ago. So I like the fact that they give you really practical tips personalized to your blood, DNA, and fitness tracking data. Also, they actually look at an optimal range of where those biomarkers should be. They're not just looking at the normal range for the general population. If you go to a doctor and you get your blood analyzed, They're going to give you that normal range, which is focused on just being healthy and not having pathologies. But this is about performance and optimizing performance. So they're looking at the optimal range 
which is typically a narrower range and giving you recommendations based on that so that you can be a, the best version of yourself. They've got different packages. And in many cases, as I mentioned, they have the ability to send someone to do the blood work at your house. I actually had it done at my house yesterday. I had a mobile blood draw, so I didn't even have to, I didn't even have to go anywhere. And then they take that, ship it off to inside tracker and I'll have the results back in five to seven business days with those recommendations that I talked about to help me improve performance. So you can get a deal on any of their package options. If you go to insidetracker.com forward slash running rogue, that's R O G U E. That'll get you 25% off all of their options off their entire store. So go check that out insidetracker.com forward slash running rogue R O G U E and start taking those steps to improve your performance today. I promise you won't be disappointed. So thank you again to Inside Tracker for sponsoring this episode. All right, let's jump into four through six in this conversation. The fourth tip I have you in prepping for downhill or rolling courses is going to be incorporating hills in your everyday running. Incorporating hills in your everyday running. This doesn't mean that every single run during the week has to have hills in it. It just means that you want to make sure that several runs during the week have hills in it. And I will say people are often afraid to run hills on their recovery days. Personally, I actually enjoy running hills on my, on my recovery days because it keeps me honest about staying at an easy conversational pace. Like it forces me to slow down. It also allows me in the context of easy running to work on some of these form cues that I just talked about. So sometimes my hilliest easy runs are actually happening on my recovery days. Now, when you do that, you have to be very careful and very honest with yourself that you're not going to press too much on those hills. So you have to slow it way down on the climbs and you have to even at times be willing to simply walk up the hill if that's what you need. I promise you that's regularly me. If I hit a steep section of hill and on a, on a recovery day, I will walk up that hill to get through it and then keep running once it levels out a little bit again. But I like incorporating those hills on easy days, whether that be a medium long run day occasionally, whether that be the occasional recovery run. Again, not always, not every single time you're out the door, but that ability to incorporate runs, those hilly runs during any run during the week is going to help you prepare for a downhill rolling course. Now, that's easy in a city like Austin where we have rolling hills all over the place. I cannot, frankly, avoid hills typically when I head out my door for a run. There are ways to do that if I go down to the center of the city where we have our Town Lake Trail. But for the most part, if I'm running in the neighborhoods, that I'm going to be finding hills. And that's Okay, again, I kind of embrace that and make sure that I use those easy runs as an opportunity to work on hill form very often. If that isn't you, if that's not your reality, if you don't have that accessibility to hills, then I would just think about where you could potentially find hills, whether that be periodically driving to another part of town, if that's what you need to do to find those hills, or even doing silly things like going to a parking garage to run up and down, which is something I used to have to do when I lived in Houston, which is a very flat city. And so I would often go to parking garages to do actually some up and down to, to find those hills. And I've had 
some very strange looks of people as I was running up these parking garages as they were wondering what in the world I was doing. But that's what it took for me to find hills in a flat city like Houston. And you're going to have those options somewhere. So do your best. Do a little bit of planning. And in particular, if you're working towards a downhill or rolling course, make sure you're incorporating hills on a non-workout, non-long run at least once per week on that medium long day or perhaps one of those recovery days. doesn't have to be more than once a week, but just make sure you're incorporating that hill running throughout your week outside of even those big runs. So hills in your daily running, an important part of the equation. That's number four on my list of prepping for downhill or rolling courses. Number five, really, really important. You have to work on building eccentric strength. You have to work on building eccentric strength, with me, which means dedicated eccentric strength work. And really, this has a place in all training, whether you're training for a downhill course or not, because eccentric loading is just important in the grand scheme as concentric loading. But it's not typically what we think about when we think about strength work. Oftentimes, we're very focused on the concentric side of the equation, not focused on the eccentric side of the equation. And the eccentric side of the equation is a big part, as we've discussed, of what you're facing on a downhill course. So what does that look like? That means doing things like a normal prisoner squat or a normal weighted squat, where you're really emphasizing and taking your time with the part where you're lowering your body towards the ground. So your quads are lengthening. That is eccentric loading when you're lowering your body to the ground. And the concentric loading is when you're raising yourself back up. And so you really want to emphasize lowering your body slowly. And if you can do that, that's where the eccentric loading is happening. The same is true if you're doing a lunge. Emphasize the lowering of your body towards the ground in addition to then slowly raising your body from the ground. You can also do this by doing step-ups where you're emphasizing lowering your body back to the ground after taking a step up. And so my recommendation is once per week, make sure you're emphasizing eccentric loading in your strength programming. I recommend typically for any runner that they do at least two days a week 20 to 30 minutes, even if it's just body weight work of strength. And so in the case of prepping for a downhill race, you want to incorporate this eccentric loading concept into at least one of those strength workouts during the week where you're focused on the eccentric part of squatting, the eccentric part of lunging, the eccentric part of step ups where you're lowering your body to the ground and really taking the time and emphasizing that part of the contraction versus just the concentric part. If you think about this, just to give you another reference point in the concept of a bicep curl, the eccentric loading would be the part where you're actually lowering the weight towards the ground, and the concentric loading is when you're raising it back up again. If you think about when you've done bicep curls, typically we drop the weight quickly, we raise the weight slowly. But in this case, what we want to do is the opposite. We want to lower slowly and raise slowly as well so you can emphasize both sides but that means lowering your body slowly when you're doing squats lowering your body slowly if you're stepping down from a step up and pick 
two or three of those exercises where you can really emphasize the eccentric part of the contraction. That will help prep your body for that eccentric loading on the downhills of your race. So eccentric strength incorporated into at least one strength workout a week. It's going to feel weird. It's going to feel different. You have to be really patient with it, but it's going to be an important part of the overall equation. So number five is incorporate eccentric strength exercises into your normal strength work. And if you're not doing other strength work, then that's okay. Ideally, you would incorporate that, but I wouldn't overdo it. Then just add in one eccentric strength session a week as a starting place during this training cycle. And then perhaps next training cycle, you can add that second session. So one strength session a week focused on eccentric strength or at least incorporating eccentric strength will help you prepare for your downhill race. All right, now let's talk about number six, which will probably be ultimately the most important part of the equation, but you want to make sure that you're simulating downhill work at pace. You want to make sure you're simulating downhill work at pace, which means that once in every three-week cycle, whether that be in your main quality workout during the week or during your long run, you want to be incorporating some type of downhill running into the equation at pace. So once every three weeks, at least one quality session, one speed session during the week or one long run session incorporates eccentric loading, downhill running at pace so that you can start to practice what that's like and get used to running at pace downhill so that your body not only knows what that's like and can adjust accordingly, but also so that you work again on that eccentric loading throughout the training cycle. It doesn't have to be too much, but again, all we're talking about is one session of either speed or long run that's working specifically this element every three weeks. So what does that look like? From a quality perspective, we'll start there. First of all, it could simply be taking a workout that you would normally do in the context of any marathon cycle and just add that downhill element in some form. So for example, my coach, Kathy, had us doing mile repeats at several different times during our prep for Boston last year. And she had us doing that on a rolling course that had a significant downhill section to it and a significant climb to it. So that in the context of those normal mile repeats at efforts that would be consistent with what we would do in any marathon training cycle, we were incorporating on that terrain, that course, the eccentric loading and then the hill climbing that would replicate what we might be doing in Boston. And so it was just simply adding a terrain difference onto a normal workout that we would do in any marathon training cycle. Very subtle, simple shift to incorporate those hills into normal intervals. So that's one way to accomplish this. Another way to accomplish this is by 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 doing it explicitly, by really trying to build it in. And so there's times when we often are doing specifically downhill repeats in our training, where you might do hill repeats that are specifically focused on the downhill element. And so I've done a workout before, for example, that was a 1K hill, and we would run up at a harder pace and then run downhill at marathon pace for recovery purposes. And we might do 10K of that work, so five up, five down. And that gave us the stimulus of climbing 
and then also the opportunity to practice running marathon pace and recovering on the downhill. And so that's an example of a workout that could be specifically tailored to the needs of a downhill or rolling course. So that's a couple of ways you can incorporate this type of emphasis in your quality workouts. And then for long runs, I recommend trying to create simulator courses that can replicate the terrain that you're going to face on race day. And that can take a little bit of time and preparation, but I like it because it also creates an opportunity to display creativity with your routes. And so we always put together here for Rogue and Austin, we'll create simulator routes for things like Boston. We've created simulator routes for CIM. We will do it for the Austin Marathon. We will create long runs that mimic the terrain of some of these big courses so that we can then execute a long run on that course and incorporate pace work along the way. So not only are you simulating the terrain that you're going to face on race day, but you're also able to practice incorporating some of that marathon pace work on that terrain. Again, that doesn't have to happen a bunch of times in a training cycle. For us, it might only be one or two times that we really emphasize those big simulator long runs within a cycle, but that's enough to give you that stimulus on the neuromuscular system while also allowing you to practice both physically and mentally running at pace on tired legs over terrain that's going to mimic what you face on race day. So think about that. Do some prep for that. Now, one note and caveat is that this can be even more challenging for extreme downhill courses. It's, It's relatively simple in Austin to mimic the train on a Boston Marathon course because we have some similar net downhills with rollers, but it's harder when you're looking at a race like Mount Charleston or St. George to mimic those big downhills in our terrain. And so that requires some creativity. And we've had people do things like take a big downhill in Austin. And we have a few that drop about 400 feet per mile in our area. And we've had people actually simulate long runs on those hills by running down the hill, having somebody drive them to the top and then repeat again over and over again. So they're getting that consistent longer downhill, even though it's broken up by a ride in a car up the hill. And so that's an extreme example of getting creative with this concept, but it worked. And it's something that I think you have to think about when you're trying to prep for terrain on a downhill or rolling course. How can you mimic the terrain on your long run routes so that you give yourself the ability to physically and mentally prepare for what you're going to face? So that's number six, simulate the courses that you're going to face either in quality or in long runs at least once every three weeks so that you really ingrain that in your body and in your mind to prep for race day. So that's number six. So as we summarize and wrap this up again the six elements are one don't forget the basics two know your course know your train so that you can specifically prepare for what you're going to face on race day three have that form awareness and practice both uphill and downhill form so you can really become efficient at it four incorporate hills in everyday running at least once per week on an easy run a medium long run or recovery run Five, incorporate eccentric strength work in your strength training. And number six, 
incorporate simulator workouts, whether that be your main quality sessions or your long runs so that your mind and body are prepared for race day. So those are the six things I recommend preparing for a downhill course like a Boston, like a Revel race. And lastly, one thing I'll remind you too before I wrap the episode is that in addition to preparing and doing all the things in training you need to do, you also need to make sure you're preparing for the course by thinking about a race plan that's going to be appropriate for that terrain. So make sure you know the terrain well and that you're then using my episode on race planning to incorporate a specific execution plan that's going to allow you to succeed on race day, which might mean running a little faster on the downhill sections ever so slightly and obviously slowing down a little bit on the uphill sections in order to make sure that you balance it all. So don't neglect that part of your prep. Do everything you need to do in training, prepare the body and mind, and then make sure you're thinking through how you might execute the course given the train in order to optimize your performance on the day, and then go get it done. Do it. Execute it. So... There you go. We'll wrap this episode there. Thanks again, Inside Tracker, for sponsoring this one. You can get 25% off their entire store by going to insidetracker.com forward slash running rogue. And you can check us out at roguerunning.com where you can learn about all of our training programs. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Rogue Running. Until next time, we will talk to you soon.